You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. To preview Sunday's game, as is our Locked On Podcast Network tradition, we look at the matchup between the Texans and Jaguars in a Locked On crossover. We go behind enemy lines. I'm Robert Land from the Locked On Texans podcast, as most of you know that listen to me all the time, and I'm joined by our friends with the Locked On Jags, uh, hosts Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton. And guys, it's it's great to talk with you. Uh, the Texans season has been interesting. How are you making it with this Jaguar season right now? It's really, really bad, guys. I mean, I don't really know the best way to express my emotions in one word. I pretty much, I guess, just disappointed, but not surprised because if you're a fan of this team, you get caught up in the excitement. But if you're pretty objective about it, like you totally could have seen this season coming, despite what was a magnificent 2017 season. And for me to cope, it's uh, been alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> put some stuff in that eggnog about this time uh, a year. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah chris was really excited for christmas he got himself a jamaican holiday blend for yeah, alcohol it's, and it's a blend of fruit like dried fruit hibiscus and jamaican wine they call it the jamaican christmas blend so i'm excited about that <laughs> is that a bl- Blake Bortles endorsed uh, special or anything? <laughs> oh, I'll, ask, I'll ask him. I'll be like, you want, you want to sample this? I, I'd probably help the show out a little bit. You know, Blake Bortles endorsed booze. Are you holding a funeral this week for Blake Bortles? Is this his last game finally with the Jags? It sounds like it will be um, unless he comes out and somehow, some way knocks the te- like play spoiler to the Texans and throws like four touchdowns and 350 yards and the Jaguars just spank Houston that somehow some way saves Dave Caldwell's job and keeps Scott Milanovich as the offensive coordinator and they say you know what this team was so injury riddled during the year there's no way Blake could have performed at the level he did in 2017 we're going to give him one last chance he's got two years left on his deal with the way the jaguars are in the universe that is completely in the realm of possibilities for this week to go so right for the jaguars that nothing changes (laughs) is there any quarterback uh, of this group over the last couple of years that you're most frustrated that the the jags i mean I, i i'm sure it might be every quarterback of the group that's been picked but is there one that you're you were like Man, I I thought they really were going to take that guy, and look where he is right now. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, 100%. A follow-up was... being Patrick Mahomes because I loved him, but God, man, Deshaun, 100%. Yeah, it was one of those things where I personally wanted him at four. I was a little, I was a little kind of against it at first, but as the offseason went on and I realized kind of quarterback was the position and I started liking Watson more and more, I really liked him as a quarterback, but the fan base as a whole really liked Leonard Fournette. I hated that pick. I was completely, I was number one of the don't draft Leonard Fournette at fourth overall fan club. And uh, well, we, we see who's where now when Leonard Fournette is an injury riddled running back who hasn't hit a hundred yards on the year. And Deshaun Watson is continually looking like a star out in Houston. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is I was I was a big Watson fan during the entire that college season leading up through draft time. I was thinking like, yeah, I love Deshaun Watson. I didn't know how likely it would be that the Jags would take a quarterback. So I didn't get my hopes up that high. And then like two days before the draft, 
Pete Prisco came out and he's got his Jacksonville ties. He's got ties to Tom Coughlin, who had just been hired because he covered him during the 1990s through early 2000s while he was here the first time. And Coughlin came out and said it was like a 60 40 chance or something, uh, you know, Fournette or another pick to a quarterback. But that Coughlin in particular loved Deshaun Watson. And they were selling this the whole Coughlin signing as. You know, Tom's going to make the final decision on everything this team does. And so I was just sitting there like, holy crap, Deshaun Watson is going to come in and replace Blake before Blake's rookie deals even over. And then they took Fournette and Houston traded up and got Houston and got Deshaun Watson. And I was just in like a pit of misery. We just saw a quarterback that's pretty darn good. And I don't know what the Eagles do because it's it's real weird uh, their situation, you got Carson Wentz that's had injury problems the last two years. I'd be scared to death to just roll strictly with him after what's happened the last couple of years. And Nick Foles, he's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to be guaranteed the starter after the way he's played the last couple of seasons. What would the Jags have to do to get – I mean, is is that going to happen? Because uh, it, it seems like the, the one place that obviously could be a quarterback away from going to a Super Bowl would be – Jacksonville of all the places that you know need a quarterback and uh, Nick Foles seems like you know the guy that you would want to put all your focus on of all of kind of the free agent tradable you know bridge quarterbacks that are there and I think if you trade for Nick Foles he's kind of a little more of a bridge he's or at least a longer bridge I don't think you're getting him for one year because uh, if you do trade for him I don't know how his I know his contract's kind of situated to where the Eagles have a team option Uh, if they exercise that uh, it becomes 20 million for this year. So I don't know how all that works if he's traded, if that's negated or whatever. But Nick Foles is definitely a guy that if the team were to pursue him, depending on the value, which I think you'd probably have to give Philly at least a second uh, at the minimum for a guy like that. Nick Foles seems to be like that guy that every time he's passed around, there's another first that's attached to him. So he's probably been a part of like three or four first round pick deals. But uh, Nick Foles is definitely a guy that I would personally want kind of if they were to go that route, uh, because I mean, although he, his stats aren't really kind of backing it up because he's five and three on the year. And four of those touchdowns, I think came this past week. He's a guy that has shown that when put in that situation, he can win because he has a super bowl ring because of it. So, uh, Nick Foles, I definitely would be behind the team if they were to go out and try to get him, because I think he could, uh, bring some more wins to this team, especially if you kind of maybe if you miss on a quarterback round one, if you have to get a guy in round two like Will Greer, who I don't think can start day one uh, and have him sit behind Foles and learn. I think that'd be the best situation. And see, I I would love Nick Foles, even though he is a little bit more expensive and he's a guy that you know has proven he can come in and win football games. I would still view him as the bridge quarterback. I don't see any way that this team can't be looking towards not just the now, but the immediate and like the long-term future as well. Cause they tried to win now and failed miserably by keeping Blake. So they have to have some sort of long-term plan. Now they can't just focus on the window that they had in which case, you know, Justin Herbert said today he's going back to school and Dwayne Haskins is the only guy I think you can consider in the top 10 even if they went after Nick Foles or signed, you know, a Tyrod Taylor, or Teddy Bridgewater, or a bridge type of quarterback, there is no way you can convince me that this team isn't in the perfect situation that they need to like, you know, do what they have to do, move up in the draft order if they need to, which I believe they will after beating Miami last weekend, which was ridiculous, but whatever. Um, 
to go and get Haskins and to get a guy that is your future, but also, you know, do bring in that bridge guy. And if it's Nick Foles and you trade for him and you somehow manage to get Haskins and Foles in like this immediate offseason, that's great because the roster is good enough right now to win with Foles. And, you know, the way their cap tables running over the next couple of years, um, the their ability to ship some guys around if they need to within the next two off seasons and not be deprived of talent at the same time. The way they've built this roster to be able to manage it going forward, as long as they have decent decision makers, is going to be able to set up short term and long term success no matter what they do at QB this upcoming off season. So I think the perfect world would be bringing in a Foles guy to win now. And still, even if it requires moving up, getting your guy in someone like Haskins and build for that future. But they need to really establish a solid plan and they can't wing it. They can't trust the guy that took the last quarterback, that being Dave Caldwell and extended that guy. But I think they've got guys in the building that are still able to do that. So we'll see. I'm all in on Haskins, but I'd take Foles in a heartbeat. I do want to talk about the game because, uh, at least from our perspective, uh, it's a big one. Uh, but I want to also remind everybody to make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget, you can follow that, get all of the local experts in our Locked On NFL Network on on one feed, one easy feed on Twitter. It's perfect when all the games are going on simultaneously for this one last week. But even uh, you know, in the off season, you're going to want to keep up with everything that's going on with all the teams through free agency and the draft. And on Instagram, you get the major stories in just one minute. So it's just a perfect bite size audio. Uh, make sure you follow locked on NFL net on both Twitter and Instagram. So here in Houston, we're talking about trying to win a division this week. And I'm, I want, I'm curious from, uh, what you guys are seeing from the Jaguars, are, are they going to be focused and into it? In other words, are they going to try to win this game? <laughs> I think so. I mean, they had absolutely no business beating Miami last week because Miami is a team that's played fantastic at home this entire year. I think they were six and one heading into that game uh, at home during the year. Jacksonville's in a position where everyone and their mother knows they need to replace their quarterback in a not so strong QB class. They need to be as close to the top as they can be. And neither of those things seem to matter because they benched Cody Kessler, who wasn't getting it done and put Bortles back in there, despite that they are literally going to release him this offseason, risking an injury factor that could get him his entire 21 million salary next year, whereas they could have found a way to get it to as low as a 9.5 million cap hit next year in releasing him and keeping him healthy now they're running that injury risk um they put him in and they somehow found a way to win that game and you know blake in his press conference today when they announced him as the starter seemed energized and it's the most jacksonville jaguars way that they can't lose and win and lose the right way they have to somehow some way find a way to lose the wrong way And I think that they are totally going to go into Houston and play with a chip on their shoulder and be motivated, whether they win or not. But I'm just saying right now, as much as I think Jacksonville hasn't been a good team this year and Houston has been, I could totally see Blake going and having himself like a career day in what's supposed to be his final game as a Jaguar and somehow ending it up, you know, saving himself here in Jacksonville and saving some people's jobs and sticking around next year, starter or not, finding a way to keep him in Jacksonville, which no one could have predicted a week ago. 
If you're the Texans, uh, this is the type of quarterback that you want to play right now because the, the secondary is in a shambles. They've got injuries all over the place. Uh, Aaron Colvin, who had disappeared for most of the year, you guys very familiar with him. All of a sudden, he's back into the mix. And, you know, the fo- pro football focus numbers uh, were pretty decent the, this past week for him. And with all the other injuries, uh, he's become a key guy. But to me... Um, that's the key for the Texans this week is you know, they can't have Blake Bortles all of a sudden have one final hurrah before he leaves because uh, that's the way to beat them right now. Right now, if, if they face good quarterbacks that are doing things, then uh, then they're in trouble. They're, the, the quarterback situation isn't that good. Uh, there's also some issues in their zone coverage. There's holes everywhere. It's it's Swiss cheese. And, you know, last week we made the point after the postgame or during the postgame show that, look, uh, the Eagles, they either scored or turned the ball over. There were no punts. Uh, so the Texans had to rely on turnovers to get the ball back. And that was it against the Eagles. And, you know, Nick Foles had a fantastic week. And I get it. He's, you know, a guy that's uh, been an MVP in a Super Bowl. But, you know, still... Uh, he's an inconsistent guy and, and a guy that you should be able to shut down. How, how, how do you see this game? Like I said, I see the motivation in this team to come in and try and play spoiler against Houston like they spoiled Miami's playoff chances. But and even when the defense is playing strong, you know, I don't trust them against mobile quarterbacks. They've had legitimate issues with that all year. I mean, Dak Prescott had himself a day. Pat Mahomes had himself a day. Several, I mean, there are several other quarterbacks that I just, I try and like erase this season from my memory. So I'm not thinking of all of them at the same time. Um, But even Deshaun Watson, he may not have had his best game against Jacksonville back in week, I think seven it was, but he was still able to show that like when he was moving out on his feet, like he can make something happen. Maybe not, you know, electricity or anything like we see from Deshaun Watson against a lot of not as great defenses, but still able to make things happen. So with the inconsistency of the quarterback play with Houston being so great up front in the resurgence of JJ Watt and what they're able to do against, they are literally going against a fourth string left and right tackle at this point, a third string or fourth string left guard, something like that. Like the injuries have killed the Jaguars offensive line. They've zoned in and just taken out every single offensive lineman except for one starter. And that one starter just so happens to be their worst offensive lineman. Um, even if Jacksonville's coming in motivated to play, I'm not sold that they can beat Houston, especially against Houston in Houston. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see Blake Bortles, his inconsistency. It just absolutely will not shock me if somehow he plays lights out, but I won't place any bets on that. And I I guess for the Jaguars sake, I mean, they, I think for some of these guys, they're odd. They're trying to fight for their jobs. Uh, I mean, Malik Jackson is almost a foregone conclusion that he'll be gone next year, but there's some guys that, uh, if you want to get hypothetical, might be kind of on the edge of the maybe the roster bubbles or kind of on high on a trade uh, list. And one of the guys I think is a guy like Telvin Smith, who is a fan favorite, has been playing better as of late, but for most of the year has been struggling. Uh, if you targeted Telvin Smith in coverage, you were probably getting completion. This past week had his highest rated coverage grade of, I think, a 90. He had a pick six, basically the sealer against the uh, Dolphins. But... I think the biggest thing 
like I don't know. It, they they seem the defense, in my opinion, is there's too many guys that just like to win, and especially guys like Jalen Ramsey who hate losing. And I think that's kind of what helps you as a team is. Uh, yes, for draft position, it hurts that you win, but I think the motivation to spoil, especially against a divisional opponent like the Texans, a uh, team that has won the division, like we said before we started recording, like three or four times out of the last five years, they want to play that spoiler. So I think that's kind of going to be their motivation. And then just looking at it, obviously you kind of know what names are more significant than other. This Houston Texans injury report for this week is a laundry list. I counted it's 18 Texans on the initial injury report that came out today to five Jaguars. So health could be a big thing coming in. Obviously it's the first day. So some of these guys will probably be removed from the list, but uh, I honestly don't know what to expect from this game because it would be super Jaguars to get blown out in the last week of the season. Uh, And it would also be super Jaguars to win in convincing fashion and ruin a team's playoff chances and hurt their own draft stock in the way. So uh, honestly, it would be a flip of a coin for me to see how kind of how the Jaguars perform this week. Yeah, I want to ask you something that in a little bit about maybe an issue that both of these franchises don't deal with that well. But first, just want to remind everybody, if you love our podcast, Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Texans, spread the word, support us by sharing our show links on your favorite uh, social media, f- Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe write a nice review for us on iTunes as a Christmas present. You can email us. Uh, you know how to reach us uh, for questions or comments or you know, just uh, contact us through uh, your social media. We want you to be a part of the conversation. All right, this is a thing that uh, you know, I was thinking about. You guys draft Leonard Fournette. There's some injury history with him, extraordinary talent, but you know, it's it's a scary thing when you've got a running back with an injury history as a first round pick. The Texans, uh, they go into this season relying on cornerbacks with all sorts of injury issues. They they rely on Jonathan Joseph, who's been uh, hurt off and on for the last couple of years and is getting older. They rely on Kareem Jackson, who's been hurt off and on for the last few years and has been getting older. Kevin Johnson, that's like Mr. Season ending injury, and it's happened now three straight years for him. So congratulations on the streak. But, I mean, th- they get Kayvon Webster, you know, a- a- off the trash heap. And, you know, this is a guy that had a- an Achilles injury, and he's got a history of injury problems, but he's also coming off an Achilles injury. He lasts maybe a total of three plays and gets hurt once this year and eight plays and gets hurt once this year. So what's the de- why can't these two franchises figure it out? Being on the field is as important a part of the equation as anything when you're looking at a football player. I think that's going to be the most important thing for the Jaguars this offseason when they're scouting offensive linemen in particular um, is that Marone says availability is a player's best ability. He says that all offseason, this past offseason, he said it the one before, and (laughs) that hasn't worked out really well for them this year. But that's why I think they'll look at guys that have a really strong history of, you know, playing for a long period of time without getting injured. And I think that's led to frustration with Fournette in particular um, because they traded for Carlos Hyde midseason. And that trade clearly didn't work out because Hyde's going to get cut this offseason. I have no doubt about it in my mind. Waste of a fifth round pick, but they need to clear up that cap space, especially if they're getting rid of Blake with his dead cap hit. 
And, you know, that's it, it really has hurt the Jags because they obviously thought they were in a great situation. They didn't need to totally redo stuff like their their address the stuff like their offensive line depth or make any significant upgrades. They tried to build with project players for the future. I mean, that's exactly what Taven Bryan is. DJ Chark, Ronnie Harrison, Will Richardson, their first four picks like the original intention was to have them on the field minimally, if not at all, during their rookie season. And that's come back to bite them because especially on the offensive line, they skipped out on Will Hernandez at the 29th pick for a developmental uh, defensive tackle. And like I said, to start the show, fourth string left tackle, third string left guard, second string center, their first string right guard really sucks. And I think they're on their fourth string right tackle. And I mean, if you want, if you want to talk right tackle, they had Omame, who is their third string left guard, playing right tackle. Exactly. So that's where they're at. They're just kind of like throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks. (laughs) So I know injuries, I mean, especially on Houston side with having 18 injuries right now, I think the Jaguars are top three or maybe up to number one now because I haven't checked in a couple weeks and I know they've had a couple more guys go on IR. Um, Top three in the NFL in terms of guys on IR and I think top two on, you know, cap hit by the IR because uh, they're behind, I think, San Francisco, who's just got that enormous cap hit for Jimmy Garoppolo. So you take out that massive quarterback contract and it's Jacksonville by far. Yeah, that's one of the things we talked about before the season. I remember, you know, the, the Texans were maybe the most unlucky team as far as injuries last year and the Jags were the most fortunate team. And we thought that the coin could flip on that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the Jags just caught up. <laughs> they totally bought into the idea that they could repeat last year. And last year they had one like. I think they had like one starter go on IR and it was in the preseason and they, they thought they could repeat that. And now they have like an entire all 22 angle on IR. How can they win this game? Give me the scenario. Jalen Ramsey locks down Deandre Hopkins, which didn't happen to start the year. I thought it was a good matchup that got kind of overblown by some national media members, but regardless, Deandre Hopkins did have a really good game. Um, Jalen's got to completely neutralize uh, Nuke. Deshaun Watson needs to be clobbered all game. Not getting hurt. I would never wish that on him. Um, But getting clobbered by the defensive line, they need to have like a 10 sack game like they get against Tom Savage last year. And somehow Blake Bortles needs to look like Tom Brady. And then I think they've got a shot. Basically, it's just all, that bad. <laughs> everything that can go right for the Jaguars needs to happen, and everything that can go wrong for the Texans needs to happen. That's basically how the Jaguars win nowadays. <laughs> Literally, and it's just not going to take much right now because you know DeAndre Hopkins. That that's the threat on offense right now. We don't know if Lamar Miller is going to play. Deontay Foreman doesn't look like he's ready to come back from his Achilles. Uh, he he had all, all sorts of issues last week. Uh, Alfred Blue has been not so good <laughs> the last couple of weeks, and he's nothing special. And, and the wide receivers are all hurt. I mean, unless Kiki QT comes back, it's going to be Vincent Smith, a uh, undrafted guy out of undrafted rookie out of Limestone, uh, is going to be your number two receiver this week. They they picked up Stephen Mitchell, and you know I talked just talked about injuries. This is a guy that had two two season-ending knee surgeries in college. <laughs> they, that's a guy that they <laughs> added to their active roster. Uh, a free agent rookie guy. They picked off uh, the scrap heap. But, you know, enormous talent. But this is somebody that was injured all the way. Every single year he missed games 
in college with numerous injuries, hernia, ankle, you name it. And you look at the the, the Texans right now as far as offensive threats, and they're just you know isn't much outside of DeAndre Hopkins. So you know you know you double DeAndre with Ramsey, and you bring over whoever because you're just not concerned about anybody else. I would imagine. I mean, maybe DeAndre Carter can help alleviate some things a little bit, but he's a guy that they picked off the scrap heap a few games ago from Philly. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to stop the Texans at this point. And then at that point it just becomes, you know, who kicks the most field goals, I guess, or who, uh, you know, who gets the turnover that, you know, changes the game and maybe turns into points or something like that. But that that's where we are with these two teams. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because the Texans, Look like they had all sorts of momentum, and it doesn't take much. A couple of injuries, uh, a couple of guys just not performing up to snuff. And, you know, got to remind anybody that, you know, isn't paying a lot of attention to J.J. Watt recently, he hasn't looked good. He's looked very, I would say, mediocre uh, at best the last few games. Uh, his pro football focus numbers, none of them have been better than 77 in the last four weeks. And, and actually three of them have three of the four have been either 67 or lower that he's had two of them in the fifties. Whereas the previous uh, three weeks, he was in the high eighties and nineties. And for most of the season, you know, he's been in the eighties, nineties uh, and and seventies, and I would say, if you look at his numbers, but uh, yeah, he, he's struggling. Uh, Clowney had a great game the last game, but the, the defense is just uh, with the cornerback situation and what JJ is doing. Uh, it, it just doesn't look good right now. And if the Texans are going to go to the playoffs, uh, you know, they're going to have to be able to correct this in, a, in two weeks. And I don't know how that happens with uh, the injuries and what they've got on the field. And well, just kind of going offensively a little bit, I'll let you go Zach in a little bit. Uh, but uh, if you're if you have any worries kind of about maybe Houston's offense and maybe if they can score enough games, I was just comparing the offensive uh, point totals and Houston has scored under 20 points three times this year. And com- in comparison to Jacksonville, the Jaguars have only scored over 20 points five times this year. So <laughs> the Texans have been pretty good at at least staying consistent at 20 and the Jaguars have three games above, or uh, five, yeah, sorry. They had 20 points against the Giants, 31 against the Patriots, 31 against the Jets. They went one, two, three, four, four weeks, and then they scored 26 against the Colts, and then 21 against the Bills, and have not scored over 20 since then. In that span, they've scored six points one week, seven points in consecutive weeks, uh, and then a 6-0 win over the Colts, and then they lost 30-9 in that embarrassment on TV. So even if the Texans have a bad week and don't even score 20, all they need to really do is probably score like 17, and they're probably still safe from the Jaguars. So uh, just some peace of mind for Texans fans. I um, So I normally would never root against the Jaguars. Like I would never willingly say I want them to lose – I'm just at the point right now where I do think quarterback is the absolute most important thing that I wouldn't mind seeing them lose at this point. And to make things a little bit more selfish, we're in a week 17 fantasy football playoff, which I still don't understand, Chris, why you made it week 17 when we're playing backups here. But regardless, 
DeAndre Hopkins is on my roster and I'm in my fantasy football championship. So I really don't think I'd mind too much to see DeAndre Hopkins have himself a nice day and the Jaguars get in better position for a quarterback because that's a long term win right there. And in terms of just kind of from a receiver standpoint, Hopkins is having like one of the maybe not from a stat standpoint, but one of the best receiver seasons I've ever seen. He's at 103 receptions on the year. And don't want to necessarily jinx it for him, but I'm sure a lot of people have said it. He still has no drops on the year and the Jaguars probably lead the league in drops. So that must be at least nice to know that you have a guy that when the ball gets within catching radius of him, he's probably bringing it down. So uh, definitely an impressive season. I think he's PFF's highest rated wide receiver of the year so far in Hopkins. So uh, stop containing Hopkins and Keeping Watson at bay and in the pocket is probably going to be the two biggest things for the Jaguars. The thing about DeAndre Hopkins is I think everybody would have him as the best receiver in the NFL if he you know, had a deep game. But I think you can run him deep. And, and, I, and I don't understand why the Texans don't consider doing that a little bit more often now. Because, you know, if you look at it, I mean, if DeAndre DeAndre's not going to break away from anybody. But I'll take him deep and, you know, out fighting somebody on a ball, on a deep ball. And it, it, to me, it's worth a shot every now and then. And, and they just, they, the, you see it so rare in Texans games where they go deep to him. It, you might see it once or twice. And, and I say, why not? You know, take that chance with uh, DeAndre and, and run him deep. I guess he's just, it's hard because he's so valuable and, and, he, and he does so much to a defense and, and you want him uh, to be available for Deshaun quickly on most uh, throws. But uh, we're at the point of the year where they, they need to consider running him deep some because if he goes deep, you, he pulls he pulls away some guys and then you might have some underneath coverage that's one-on-one even more so than than you would because, you know, right now without any other threats on the field, uh, you're you've got you're going to have a lot of junk in that uh, middle space and and no room to operate for a lot of these guys. Is that, is that am I saying that right? You think that's right? Most likely. I don't. Know. I don't know, man. Like this season's just been such a wash in general. Like I'm like I said earlier, I'm trying to wipe it all from my mind at this point. I just want this game to get over with. <laughs> well, hopefully the Texans can uh, can can pull one off uh, from. At least two of two of three of us are for that. I know, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll never, I'll never say I want Jacksonville to lose straight up, but I'll definitely like beat around those edges. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm in that position right now. It's one of those things where I'm always rooting for the Jags to win because they're my team, but it's like if they lose, it's not that bad. There's at least a consolation. Compared to other things, like when, like if you get in the playoffs and lose, there's absolutely no consolation. It's like, congrats, you're out. Whereas this one, if you lose, there's some benefit. But, I, you know, it's kind of like as a fan, I like to see the wins. But, you know, it's it's whatever at this point. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at the long term wins, not the five and ten and your season's over wins. Well, we're going to keep an eye on what's going on with the Jags offseason here with uh, the Locked On Texans podcast for sure. Interested to see what where they go, what they do, who's still around when the when the uh, chips fall. So interested to see where they're going to go at quarterback too. I'm sure the rest of the NFL is wondering because uh, there's really you know there's so few teams now looking for a quarterback. It's it's a strange time in the NFL and the ones that that are looking for it. They've got you know I th- I think they they have. Uh, 
an advantage over past years because there's there's not a lot of competition for the quarterbacks that are available either in the draft or in free agency or through trade or whatever. So should be interesting. Yeah, that's what I was telling Zach on an episode a few days ago. It was just kind of looking at the top 10 of the draft. It's like there's like two or three teams that maybe would take a quarterback. Like it's such a defensive and skill position heavy draft. And just it seems like almost every team in the NFL at this point either has their guy or a good enough guy to compete. Like the only teams off the top of my head that I know that don't really have either like the Buccaneers, the Jaguars for sure. Uh, the Raiders are a maybe if they want to stick away, if they want to get away from Carr, but even then he can kind of flash. Uh, I know the Lions might be one of those kind of surprise teams that takes a guy, even if having Stafford. Uh, but those are just kind of the teams that I see off the top of my head. But it's just like almost everybody that was kind of bad last year is bad again this year, but they got their guy last year. So now they're just kind of trying to build around it. So yeah, like you said, a weird time in the NFL where kind of quarterbacks isn't the most talked kind of guy or guys in the draft it's kind of these defensive guys especially on the defensive line i think that's all i got man it's good to catch up with you guys uh, during the holiday season and you know hopefully uh we'll have an interesting game to talk about on our post game shows on sunday like i said get ready blake bortles is having a career day <laughs> and you don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> no that's that's terrible no please don't <laughs> Shout out to my co-host, Brian, and uh, we'll talk to everybody again on the Locked On Network uh, tomorrow. Have a great one, everybody. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) 